Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. You're listening to Morning Tide, the official morning show podcast of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. Here's a breakaway back the other way. Couture, save, rebound, scores! Logan Couture wins it in overtime. Here comes Kane from behind his net. Back to center, got across the line. Lead Couture moving in, across the wink in front. Burns shoots it just wide. Oh, there was some space there for Burns. He, he just missed. He gets another chance, but it's off his stick. Can Kane get to it? He does. Kane wins the battle. He's got Couture in front. Kane to Couture. He scores! For the second consecutive game, Logan Couture wins it for the Sharks in overtime. And the Sharks tie a National Hockey League record with their 43rd consecutive win in games in which they allow two goals or less. Final score, the Sharks two and the Islanders one. Well, real proud of our effort tonight. I mean, uh, you know, I think we could have been smarter and not take as many penalties as we did. Um, But found a way, and uh, that's been kind of the story lately. We've been... You know, dealing with some injuries and, and uh, some depth issues. And, you know, we didn't help ourselves tonight by getting in the box, but we still found a way, and I thought it was a pretty gutsy effort. Yeah, it's nice to win. Um, like, two plays just kind of in the right spot at the right time. Kaner made a, a great play tonight, and we found a way to win. I thought our kill was, was excellent, and, and Jonah was excellent as well. Yeah, no, that's huge. Um, they're a fast team. Uh, th- obviously, they have a really good record right now, uh, and it shows why. Um, they're a very good skilled team. And uh, we got to bear down late in games. Um, and I thought lately we've done a really good job of that, and tonight was just another example. Uh, it's really important. Third period's uh, the most important period of a hockey game. It's how you finish strong, and we did that tonight. All right, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Morning Tide. Ted Ramey with you as always. And, yes, it is nice to see the San Jose Sharks consistently winning games that we think they are capable of winning. And this includes the Saturday night win over the Islanders, the hottest team in the NHL. Thursday night in Vegas, the Sharks without Tomas Hurdle with Dell in net. They go in there and get a win. Yes, the win streak did come to a close with a loss to the Oilers, but it's going to be pretty hard to beat that team twice in a one-week span. All in all, Things are trending in the correct direction for the San Jose Sharks, and that's what I am looking at in the overall picture. Like I alluded to previously when the Sharks were not playing well, I didn't care if the Sharks were going to rip off 10 wins in a row. I didn't care if they were going to do some sort of streaky play. Whatever that is, it that's fine. You want to win games. that However it happens, I'm going to be fine with it. But Whenever a team is streaking, you feel like, okay, when is the loss coming, right? You you know that you're not going to win forever. It's always possible, just highly unlikely. But you think to yourself, when is that loss going to happen? It happened to the Sharks. They lost to the Edmonton Oilers. Their win streak came to a close after six straight games. But then they go right back, and they get two more wins after that. They've won eight out of nine, 
And again, I go back to when they were playing poorly. I want to see this team winning two out of three, winning three out of five, winning six out of nine. That's the type of play that puts you overall in a position to situate yourselves not just into the postseason, but have some home ice advantage, at least for a couple of rounds, whatever it's going to take. That's, to me, what the Sharks want, and that's what they need. It's not about winning six or eight or winning eight out of nine. This is a high level of play that we're seeing from the San Jose Sharks right now in terms of the finishes. They were able to win a couple that they were maybe not the better team in. We heard after the loss from Edmonton, Logan Couture said that they had been getting results that maybe weren't in line with how they were playing. He thought they were not playing as well as the final score had showed in terms of they won games that he thought they might have lost. But you've also got to have that go your way at times. Like sometimes you're going to play well and lose, like we go back three weeks ago to that Friday night loss to Winnipeg, or you're going to play games that you're probably not the better team and you're able to win. And, that you know, throw any number of games in there that we've seen in your memory of watching hockey and that happens. But for the San Jose Sharks right now, things are trending in the right direction. They've won eight out of nine because things were going to correct themselves, and this is what we've seen. Obviously, they were not as bad as what they were at the start of the year, and I don't think they're a team that's going to win eight out of nine for the rest of the season. That, to me, is a entirely absurd standard to hold them to, but I think what we saw in the last week, they had three really good opponents in Las Vegas, in Edmonton, and in the Islanders, and they won two out of three. That, to me, is entirely acceptable and the norm that you would expect to see from this Sharks team as talented as they are. What's out of the ordinary is the fact that they've been able to do this without Tomas Hurdle because we all know how important he is to what the Sharks do. His presence on the ice in any game increases your opportunity to win. So when you're doing it without him, when you're getting two big wins over Vegas and over the Islanders, that to me is really, really just speaks to the way the Sharks are put together, how they're designed, and what they're capable of. And yes, even though they do have a lack of depth at forward right now, they still have other important playmakers out there on the ice. And when we use the term lack of depth at forward, I think it really shows just how spoiled we've been in San Jose because we're used to having so many high-quality forwards, and the Sharks still good, uh, still do. I look at, you know, you got Logan Couture out there, you've got Evander Kane, Kevin LeBanc, Patty Marlowe, Joe Thornton. I mean, you go down the list. This team does not have a shortage of talent in any way that you look at it, but they do always have other guys out there that can come up in a big moment, and that's what we've seen. Logan Couture, two consecutive games, able to get the game winner in overtime against very good opponents, and that's exactly what you would expect the captain to do, and you've wanted Logan to get going in terms of his goal score, and the assists have been there, obviously. The goal's maybe not to his own lofty standard, but things are starting to get rolling for him. You're still waiting for things to get rolling in a more consistent fashion from Timo Meyer. Tomas Hurdle had obviously been red hot, and the injuries lately have derailed him a little bit, but... The fact of the matter is, the Sharks have more than enough talent to get it done in the regular season on a game-to-game basis, and that was what made the start of the season so just odd. It was so far beneath what we expected from them, and I don't mean to be overly critical of them in that capacity because, listen, guys can have a rough start to the season. There were obviously injuries, and there were obviously other factors at play, but it was just when things don't meet your expectation, you wonder what's going on, and everybody... I think in the media and the fan base didn't panic necessarily, but it was, you understand why people are upset. You understand why people are surprised with what they're seeing out there on the ice. But now 
when you watch the Sharks rip off eight out of nine and look much more like the team that we all expect them to be, you understand, oh, okay, this is what was there all along. It just wasn't getting the results that they were deserving of or it wasn't the performance we knew they were capable of. And that's also to take into account they're not going to win eight out of nine for the rest of the year. They're not going to find themselves in these positions where they're getting all these overtime winners. I mean, three consecutive Saturday nights in overtime. Now, the previous two were a shootout overtime win, but this was another one where you had a big-time performance late in a game, whether it was from Martin Jones, whether it was from Logan Couture, whether it was from Kevin LeBanc, whoever it was, somebody came through with that opportunity late, and they took advantage of it to give the Sharks the win. And that's what you're not maybe going to get at every juncture of the regular season because there's 82 games, there's so many ways to win, and there are so many ways to lose. Now, the Sharks, 43 straight wins in the regular season in which they've given up two or fewer goals. We all love that stat, but... I mean, are you really surprised in the modern NHL that if you give up two goals or fewer that you're going to win? No, of course not. And just as I think it's great that they've had that streak, it's really hard to do to limit your opposition to two goals or less. And the Sharks do not do themselves any favors like they did on Saturday night when they took that many penalties and put themselves on the kill in seven situations against a red-hot Islanders team. I mean, listen, we all love to rave about the kill. I love the kill. I love the way they play it. I love the way that they are just demoralizing the opposition because you know right now when you go against the Sharks on the power play, you're going to have a very rough time. And when you when you walk into a game knowing that the special teams battle is already not in your favor, it gives you a psychological edge against your opposition. And I think that when teams know that you're so statistically good on the kill, I think they start maybe overthinking it and trying to think how they can get past this, you know, this league-leading penalty kill right now, and they maybe play a little bit out of their zone and just a little bit not as good as they otherwise would have, and that's just what happens. When you are playing a certain area of the game that well, other teams get grippy a little bit. They're not entirely sure of themselves, and I think that we've seen a little bit of that frustration boil over, and you could see it the other night with the Islanders. They never looked set in their power play, and yes, it's a defense-first team, but they never looked like they were really that comfortable, and the Sharks have done that to everyone, and I think that it's a combination of high-level players out there on the ice, A, and B, you have got just unbelievable efforting going out there when they are on the kill. I love seeing guys laying out their bodies, blocking shots, clogging the passing lanes, keeping the puck to the outside, keeping things outside the circles, not allowing guys to get into the slot, now not allowing high-danger opportunities. The Sharks' kill is just a joy to watch right now, and I'm sure they will be more of a regression or a correction in that capacity. But if there's not, then good. Keep that as a weapon that you can use to your advantage. But the Sharks are playing better and better as we watch them get deeper and deeper in the year. And that's that's how I think it should be. Because if you peak early on, well, that doesn't do anything for you. If you are bad at this point still, you've put yourself into a hole. And the Sharks put themselves in a decent-sized hole to start the year but they've climbed their way out of it or they've dug their way out of it or whichever euphemism you want to use to describe how the Sharks have gotten here from where they were. But the fact of the matter is, is the talent has always been there. The players have always been there. The coaching staff has always been there. The results weren't there, but you cannot take away what the Sharks have designed over the last decade plus. You cannot take away how good they have consistently been over the last few years and suddenly think that that's just going to end. 
Yes, they do have a couple of older guys out there on the ice, but the fact is they have enough young, talented, up-and-coming talents to go, go with these experienced high-level players. It was going to work out. Now, does that mean they squeak into the playoffs? Does that mean they're going to be the number one overall seed? That all remains to be seen. We're barely over a quarter through the season. There is tons of hockey left to play, but I like the fact that the Sharks are getting better and better and better. And look at that performance from Aaron Dell on Thursday night against Las Vegas. Huge saves, huge stops, huge performance. He came into that game rested. He came into that game ready, and he played like it because he had not had great appearances earlier in the year. The Sharks were going into that game without Tomas Hurdle. It was an opportunity to get Dell out there and maybe see if you could steal a game on the road in a place that you have not had good results in the regular season, and he did just that. He helped the Sharks steal a game in Las Vegas. And then, coming into the Saturday night game, you had Jones coming off of rest, and he played like he was coming off rest. And that is such a factor in the modern NHL. I remember talking to Pierre Lebrun about this right after the Sharks signed Eric Carlson to the long-term deal this summer, and he talked about how teams had been able to work more and more rest into their goalie rotation, and that, to me, was something that I wanted to see more of the Sharks this year, but the performances hadn't been there, and suddenly, maybe they are. If they can get more of those type of performances from Aaron Dell, then you get Jones more rest, which is going to increase his performance because we know that a rested body is always more preferred to a tired body out there on the ice. And I think that if you get just more consistent rotation from those two guys, you're going to see increased performance. But these were the types of performances that we all, all were expecting to see from the Sharks, and they weren't there, but now suddenly they are there. And Martin Jones is looking better and better, and he's having more high-quality games, and he's having more games where he looks like he's the best player out there on the ice. For two consecutive Saturday night wins on home ice, you can make that argument for Martin Jones. The Thursday night game in Las Vegas, Arendelle was the best player on the ice. And that's what you need to win not every game in the NHL, but to win several games. You need your goalies to step up and win that game for you. And that's what the Sharks got two huge times against two really good opponents in the last week in which they won two out of three games. And to go to the other side of that spectrum, that's what Edmonton got on Tuesday night. Koskinen was a huge factor for Edmonton when they came into San Jose and beat the Sharks the other night. And that's what you need. You need your goalie to step up. And the Sharks saw it on Tuesday night and they responded Thursday and Saturday night by seeing their own netminders do the exact same thing. And as we approach the close of the second month of the season, the San Jose Sharks have four games this week. They've got the Kings today. Wednesday night, they're home hosting the Jets. Then Friday, they're hosting the Kings. Then Saturday, they're in Arizona taking on a good Coyotes team. But the Sharks have finally gotten themselves over 500, and I think that even if they were to end the month under 500, I think overall you have to look at the month of November as a huge correction for them, just considering how poorly the regular season started. What you want to see is a Kings team. You should beat them twice this week. And Winnipeg, you're looking for some revenge against them because a couple of Fridays ago, you certainly played well enough to beat them. You just didn't. So if the Sharks can continue to play to the level that we all know they're capable of, they're going to find themselves towards the top of the division. And that's really what they need to be doing. And they've climbed their way back into it. And again, you look at this team and you see what they were and where they are now, which one seems much more like the reality right now. 
That one seems much more in line with what we're all expecting from the Sharks from what game one through game 82. And then, you know, like we do every spring, we look at what happens in the playoffs. A lot of things can happen in the playoffs and a lot of things can happen between now and the start of the playoffs. But the Sharks, to me, are much more becoming in line with our level of expectations, what they expect from themselves and what they look like when we compare their talent against the rest of the NHL. But let's look at this big picture. At one point, the Sharks were 4-10. and 10. Now, they are 12-11-1. And if there had been a two-game stretch to start the season where they had not been so polarized in terms of their losses versus their winning, if they had been 12-11-1 at this point, you'd probably be a little bit disappointed, more so than you are right now when we've seen a massive correction. But this all comes back to my idea of you want the Sharks to continue to get better, and that's why I wasn't freaking out when Vegas jumped up to their hot start or we saw Arizona doing their thing or whoever it's going to be. It's the start of the season, and yes, you can give yourself a good start. You always want to have a good start to a regular season, but it's not the be-all, end-all. It is not decided in October. It is not decided in November. It is not decided in December. It will continue to be decided in January, February, and March, but you have to look at what this team does, and you have to look at what the league does year after year after year. Injuries happen. Firings happen underperformances happen, things happen in general. And that changes the entire dynamic, that changes the entire discussion. There is so much that can change between what we're talking about on November 25th versus what we're talking about on January 25th versus March 25th. Everything can change between now and then, and it's foolish to think that just because a team is bad during one stretch of the season, they're going to be bad the entire way. Now, a start, you have nothing else to compare it to. So when the Sharks are 4-10, and 10, yeah, you're going to be a little bit up in arms over the fact that your team that's a perennial contender does not look like a perennial contender. But you know what? Las Vegas went from looking like a just juggernaut in the first few weeks of the season, and they've been struggling. They're, not, they're starting to correct themselves, but they've been not what we all thought they were capable of based on what we saw in those few, first few weeks of the season. It It's part of the dynamic. It's part of everything we see from game one through game 82. But right now, again, if we go big picture with the Sharks, they probably have a little bit of a lack of depth at forward, and that's something that might be addressed, you know, in terms of a trade as we get deeper into the season. That You're going to have to have Doug Wilson about that, but he's not exactly a stranger to making moves. But you're also expecting a little bit more out of Timo Meyer, and I think that that's a correction that will occur just because of the insane amount of talent he has. And, you know, he... He's in the midst of where the league adjusted to him, and now he's got to adjust back. If you want the very, very simple answer of what we've seen from Timo, that's probably a factor. Maybe he's taken a couple of uh, bruises that we're not aware of, but I'm not freaking out over Timo Meyer right now. I think his correction will come. But the Sharks right now, they are offensively potent, not every single game, but they've got enough talent out there on the ice to win in a game that's going to be okay Do you need to outscore the opposition in a game where the goalies are not at the top of their game? They can do that. They can win with their defense. They can win with their goalies. They can win with their penalty kill. They've got a good power play. It's not off the charts, but I think there's room for that to improve, and I'm glad there's room to improve. Now, injuries have definitely played a factor for the Sharks this year. Obviously, we look towards Tomas Hurdle, but I'm more thinking of Prout. But what the Sharks have shown is that they have a little bit of depth 
and they've been able to put seven blue liners out there. And you look at a guy like Mario Ferraro and look at what he's capable of. He has the UMass background, which I think is very helpful because that hockey culture there is uh, is huge. He's got great puck handling skills, in my opinion. He's got great just overall instincts out there on the ice, and he plays older than he is. And I was able to sit down with him after the win on Saturday night. I love this guy because he's a great talker, but he's just got great enthusiasm. I like what he looks like on the ice for such a young guy and getting thrown into the mix. That's not easy, by the way. You're a rookie in the NHL, and you're put on a team there where they're, I mean, expectations are high for a lot of teams in the NHL. I'm not going to pretend like they're not, but the Bay Area is one of the biggest markets in the country, in the world, and the Sharks have some of the highest expectations of any franchise in North American sports. And suddenly you're thrown into the mix and they're saying, we're going to lean on you maybe a little bit more than we had planned on initially, but we feel confident enough in you to go out there and perform. Now, just because that confidence is there and just because that overall level of expectation is there and his ability is there, it doesn't mean it's going to happen right away where a guy can be impactful on the ice. But I feel like when we watch Ferraro out there, he looks like a guy who is going to continue to get better and adds to the overall picture of the Sharks. And I thought he looked really good on Saturday night. And I thought that every time he's been healthy out there on the ice this year for the Sharks, he's looked like a guy who not only is able to contribute in the here and now, but has a bright future ahead of him. So let's get into that talk that I was able to have with Super Mario. All right, I am in the Sharks dressing room after an overtime 2-1 win against the Islanders tonight, and I've got Mario Ferraro. Uh, what's up, man? How you doing? These Saturday night uh, overtime extended thrillers. Are you uh, are you guys getting used to this? Uh, yeah, that was a uh, that was a huge win for us. I'm doing great. Um, that's that's uh, that's big, uh, especially uh, against a really top team in the league. And you know, uh, we're not we don't uh, we don't want to let up though, right? We don't want to get complacent, so. Uh, we want to keep it going. Um, we hope to continue to get used to it. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, it was a big one for us. How is it getting used to things for you, obviously, because the Sharks select you a couple of years back. You finish up collegiate stuff, but now you're in the mix in the NHL. You're playing. You come to a team. Let's start there. You come to a team that's full of veterans mm-hmm. and full of huge expectations. Mm-hmm. How has that transition been for you? Uh, I think it's really helped me uh, as a young guy, uh, obviously just coming from college, uh, being surrounded, like you said, by, by veteran players, by guys who you know have a lot of experience in this league. And uh, there's a very high standard here in San Jose. Uh, and I think that that really helps my game, uh, helps to, for me to improve and, and continue to follow in the footsteps of these older guys who, you know, they, they've been through tough hockey and they've, mm-hmm. they've had success. So it's, it's, uh, it's a great experience for me so far and it's a huge learning curve that uh, that I'm trying to take advantage of. How much different is the culture out here? Obviously being at UMass back east, it's a little bit different. Hockey is just in a different mindset. Obviously you get literal cold weather there as opposed to out here like you're learning <laughs> in San Jose. So I just, I guess were you prepared for the type of um, kind of rabid fan base that exists here in San Jose? Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's unlike any any other experience that I've had. Uh, you know, it's it's pro hockey. You know, I never, this is my first, first year of pro. Uh, so it's definitely 
different in that regard. You know, fans here they love they love the game of hockey. San Jose is a, is a very big hockey city, and uh, just like you know, school last year at UMass, there were great fans there too. It's yeah. just a little bit different of a of a vibe. You know, you got a lot of students that come to the games, and the small town of Amherst they love the hockey there as well. But um, as far as the the hockey itself, you know, it, it, the passion for the game in the room, it's it's the same way. You know, everybody goes out there and they compete for each other uh, and and with a goal to win. So uh, it's it's a cool experience being here in San Jose and I'm fortunate to be surrounded by a great organization. When you come into training camp and you're going against these, you know, different players and you're playing against, you know, different pros in the preseason, did you feel like your game was ready? Did you feel like you were ready for that next step? Because I would imagine that's the type of thing that you don't really know until that test is actually happening. Yeah, there's there's always room to improve, you know, that's always in the back of my mind. You know, I come to the rink every day with a mindset to get better and improve on the areas where I need improvement. And uh, when I signed here, you know, I had that mindset, that confidence that I was ready. You know, that's why I signed. That's why I chose to, to take the next step to move up to pro. And um, <clears throat> I came in with that confidence, but still with, with the mindset to, you know, have open, be a sponge, you know, uh, taking as much information, as much learning stuff as I can on and off the ice from all these veterans. And, you know, it's paid off. And I think it's helped me. Um, but uh, like I said, you know, I'm always looking to, to get better and better so I can um, be more effective in this league. In terms of the learning process, is that you literally going and doing a Q&A with a guy or is it watching how different guys play on the ice? I mean, you've got... You know, you've got the pair of 40-year-olds and Jumbo and Patty out there. Yeah. These guys have been playing forever. I, mean, I laugh about it because they were, you know, when I was, like, becoming a freshman into a sophomore in high school, that's when they were starting out. Mm-hmm. So I kind of mm-hmm. I laugh that I'm still watching them go. But, I mean, for you, it's like these guys, they've just always been in the NHL. Yeah, it's, uh, we joke around about that quite a bit because, you know, Jumbo was in the NHL before I was born, right? Yeah. So, like, the guy, he obviously him and Patty, you know, they, they both have, have great experience. And then when you say like Q&A and stuff like Mm -hmm. that um, I think just sharing that experience being teammates with them and and, you know I've gone over to Jumbo's house for dinner I've hung out with guys outside uh, outside of hockey as well I've learned their routines and what they do and then uh, being, you know, partnered up with Burns or Dylan or mm-hmm. any of the D-men, Carlson, Heater, uh, <clears throat> Vlasic, you know, those are all players that I've learned from. And and uh, I follow in their footsteps, you know, even in the offensive end, we got a lot of talent. Uh, so um, both on and off the ice, these guys are a character group. It's not just the way they play, but it's the way they carry themselves as, pers- as people. And um, I look up to them. As a defenseman, you've got the two ends of the spectrum you've got the offensive minded guys and Carlson Burns and you've also you're able to look at Vlasic who's one of the great shutdown guys so mm-hmm. in terms of what that can bring to your game and watching them like do you do you view those three guys each under a different viewpoint uh it, yeah there's like Eric Carlson you know he's 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 a special talent you know mm-hmm. he's got great offensive ability but he also takes pride in the D zone you know like he's on our top PK right now and, and he shuts down guys so I think every one of our, our, our D-men back there take pride not only in, in one area of the game, but uh, two ways. So the, I think all of our guys do a great job of getting involved offensively, but also taking care of the D-zone. Because here in San Jose, uh, if we're playing as a Shark, you got to be able to play good uh, defense, and, and that leads to offense, right? And, and so these guys, I look look up to them in all areas of the game. You know, it's, it's not just... Um, Vlasic doing his thing defensively. Yeah. You know, he gets involved as well offensively. He has a couple penalty kill goals. 
you know, all that payoff. So <clears throat> they have uh, great skill in all areas of the ice, and I try to pick point uh, things that I can implement into my game as well. Do you do that in film, or do you do that when you're literally watching them play? Do you see something and you say, <laughs> I, I need to do that? Yeah, literally, like, I have individual film for myself, mm-hmm. reviewing what I could do better in my games, but then... Also, in the summer, I was doing video watching Carlson, watching Pickles, uh, watching those guys play and seeing what they can do. Uh, so it's breaking down what they can do, but also what they tell me on the bench. You know, they'll give me advice here and there. Uh, and that's a great thing about the guys on this team. You know, they're, they're very respectful. Uh, they're respectful veterans, and, and they're, they, they look to teach me and help me get better. So yeah. uh, they're all leaders, and, and I'm privileged. In terms of the penalty kill, people are talking about it left and right because you guys are doing uh, you know, just a fantastic job. It's the mm-hmm. best in the league. Mm-hmm. But I also am curious from your point of view, is it just kind of like, well, we're supposed to do that. Like, that's our job. Like, do you, do you take as much pride in it as the, to the same extent that the fans kind of get off on it? Yeah, you have to. Uh, special teams wins you hockey games. Um, in this day and age, like today, for example, uh, against the Islanders, we had, I think it was around seven penalties, maybe more. Yeah. Uh, and so that penalty killing uh, really goes a long way. And our guys did a really good job of shutting it down. And they're a really good power play that New York has. But uh, we were able to shut down and, and get a win off of it, right? And as well as our power play. You know, it's just as it's just as important uh, to the game of hockey and getting wins, especially in the later in the stretch of the season. Yeah, let's talk about these last two where they've been really tight wins um logan couture's gotten the game winner in each of them um playing two of the teams that uh i mean it's a long way to go but i don't think we're going to be surprised if the islanders are in the eastern playoff picture and same thing for vegas in the west Mm -hmm. so you know you had the loss against edmonton to start out the week but then you follow it up with two big wins i mean how do you feel about the team in terms of where the season started out versus where everybody is now uh, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, yeah, in the beginning of the season, you know, it was a bit of a bumpy road, but uh, now we're starting to pick things up and we just got over 500 as a team. And that just shows the, the adversity that we're able to overcome. You know, we got a very confident group, a veteran group that, you know, they've been through this experience and they know that it's a long season, right? And you got to keep your um, <clears throat> your confidence high as a group. And that's what we've done. You know, Edmonton obviously wasn't the greatest game from our end, but uh, we battled back and we had a good road win in Vegas. And then we come mm-hmm. in uh, and face New York and, and we have a good win as well tonight. So that just shows how character, uh, what a character group we have and, and our ability to, you know, overcome those, those hard times and that adversity. And in terms of you, you've obviously had to deal with some injuries. Um, what, how, how has that been? How's the body feeling now? You obviously looked good out there tonight, but I'm curious. I mean, that's, that's my point of view. I'm a long way away from the action, but you look like you're feeling good. Yeah, I feel good. Uh, obviously, you have these bumps and bruises along the on, along the way throughout the season, but um, it's part of the game. Uh, and uh, I'm healthy right now. Um, I'm fortunate for that. Uh, knock on wood. Hopefully, it stays that way. But it's just about how you treat your body on and off the ice. You know, yeah. getting recovery and and uh, making sure you take care of yourself. And so, for you as an individual player, what are you looking at now in terms of? ticking off the boxes to make sure you become a player what are you focusing on right now without giving up too much but where are you looking at and saying this is an area where I need to be better this is an area I need to be focusing on yeah uh, I think that um, it starts in the D zone you know uh, I think I've done a pretty good job of of being solid defensively but there are times where I can I can be a little bit better um, and and closing a plays off early especially against these fast teams that like to play quick uh, transitioning pucks up the ice as quick as possible. You know, that's part of our game. Uh, we want to get that puck moving forward as quick as possible. So taking the ice that I have is a big part. But um, I think the biggest the biggest thing is, is being predictable for my teammates. Um, but, uh, you know, 
making it a challenge for the opposition to kind of know what I'm doing out there. So just being predictable and my teammates know where I'm going to put the puck or where I'm going to be in certain times, it makes it easier to play together and, and create that success in that offense. Do you feel like everybody kind of has that, not predictability, I'll say, but where everybody understands where everybody is much more now versus a couple weeks ago? Oh, yeah, of course. That's, that goes a long way. You know, you play more together. You're going you're gonna to figure each other out. You're going to create that bond, and, and it's starting to improve, I think, in, in, in this locker room, and uh, it's going to go a long way for us later in the season. Awesome, Mario. I'll let you go, man. I really appreciate you uh, spending some time with me, and I'm always glad to have another good talker on the San Jose Sharks, man. So I appreciate it. Uh, congrats on the win. We'll talk soon. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, great chat there with Mario Ferraro and just a bright future ahead for him, not just because of how good he looks on the ice, but when you have the ability to be a public speaker like that, he is going to get a lot of opportunity thrown his way. And I think that fans, the more the more they get to know him, they're going to be very appreciative of him as well. Great energy, seems to have just a great uh, wit about him. And I think that everybody is going to learn to enjoy him more and more and more, assuming he continues to get that opportunity on the ice which uh, is an issue that he continued to force regardless of who is injured so I like what we're seeing from him and I like what the future has in store for him as well but it's a big week for the San Jose Sharks just because they have put themselves above 500 but can they stay there and I think that's a fair question to ask because they've been in the midst of a massive correction they've won eight out of nine you can classify it as an overcorrection as much as you can classify it as a correction They have to cool down at some point, I think. But the question is, how much do they cool? And you look at that loss they had Tuesday night against Edmonton, cooled down, bounced back with two overtime wins. They go into L.A. That's a team they should beat. Is it a trap game? They've got two games against L.A. this week. Can they win those games? Plus the game against Winnipeg, who is a good team, 14-9-1 on the year. Plus the game against Arizona, also a good team, 14-8-3 on the year. So I think you're looking at two of the four this week. You beat the Kings in both of those because, A, it's the Kings, beat L.A., and B, you're just better than them. The Kings are in the midst of a long-term rebuild, which is just, you know, they waited too long. They obviously did what it took to win a couple of cups, but this is what happens. You make those contracts, you invest eventually the good times run out. If you want to compare it to other sports we've seen, look at what happened to the San Francisco Giants. It's not a 100% apples-to-apples comparison, but there is some relative validity, and we know what happens to teams that win multiple championships. They can't all be the New England Patriots. But I think you look at this upcoming week with four games, and the Sharks should win those two games against L.A., and if you take one of the two against Winnipeg and Arizona – You take three out of four on the week, and you're feeling good about yourself. But again, this comes back to the idea of the Sharks should beat the Kings 10 times out of 10. They won't always, of course, but they should. And then, if they can do that, take care of business in the games that you can win, then when you go up against the higher-level teams, you don't feel as much pressure. So if you walk away with one win out of those two games against Winnipeg and Arizona, you're feeling pretty good. And again... It's not about streaking. It's not about winning eight out of nine. And hell, it's not really about winning three out of four. It's about taking care of business with the teams you should beat. That is the LA Kings. And then you go up against the higher level opponents in Winnipeg and in Arizona. And that's a more true test of where you are as a team, where you are versus your conference. I'm sure Pete DeBoer and his staff and every member of the San Jose Sharks think they can win all four of these games, but that's not my expectation but I think there's a good chance they can walk away with two. I think there's a great chance they can walk away with three. Anything after that, that's gravy. 
and you look at it week by week. The challenges in front of them first tonight. It's against L.A. Should drive that bus into the arena, blasting Taylor Swift. Search it if you don't know. And get this week off to the right start. All right, that wraps it up for me. And a big thanks, as always, to you, the listener, for tuning in. And, of course, to the San Jose Sharks for making this show a reality. Four games this week. Two against the Kings, one against Winnipeg, one against Arizona. Let's see where we are in another week's time. Oh, and before I forget, have a very happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I am exceptionally thankful that I am able to do this podcast for you, that I get this opportunity with the San Jose Sharks and get on the inside and bring you all the content that I hope you are looking for. Take my thankfulness into your own lives and have a very happy Thanksgiving. And please do not drink and drive. Get a cab, get a ride share, whatever it takes. There's always a better option than drinking and getting behind the wheel. But I highly encourage you staying somewhere where you're not driving and you want to drink and scream at the TV while cheering on the Sharks. I'll support that 100%. Again, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey, signing off. (laughs) 